morning Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Tuesday, and you are watching AM to Dia. Well, friends, I know you saw tweets about him yesterday on the timeline. We have lost a real one. Here's a tweet about John Singleton from Brittany Packnett. Uh, John Singleton, for me, will always stand both in the great canon of American directors, but also as an example of what it means to put your people on and elevate the game at the same time. John Singleton was a gem, an artist, and, and a gift to us. Thank you. Rest in power. Tracy Y. Oliver, you said, don't know if there's a kid or teen in the 90s who didn't know Boys in the Hood. That John Singleton wrote and directed it at the age of 24 is unbelievable to me. What a talent and voice. Thanks for what you did to pave the way for the next class of black artists. Mm. Now, Singleton obviously died at the age of 21. He was Died at the age of 50. I'm sorry, 50, 51. I apologize for the Just far too young. Mike. Far, far too young. And yeah. he was taken off of life support after suffering from a stroke. Yeah. But we were talking about nothing but hits. I mean, his what, the legacy that is left behind is huge. We're talking about Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning, Too Fast, Too Furious, Hustle and Flow, Poetic Justice. He put Ice Cube on the map in a way. He put Tupac in a movie. Like, he directed Tupac and Shannon Jackson. It's incredible. <laughs> incredible. And I, this is one of those things I did not realize he was so young when he was making those films. I didn't realize that either. I mean, you know, listen, what's interesting, and, and I know you want to talk about higher learning, mm-hmm. we'll get through that in just a moment, but just throughout his films, uh, he's examining black life in America in different facets that are still uh, being fought for, you know, to make their way to the screen. We still hear directors like Barry Jenkins, Ava DuVernay, for example, Spike Lee, mm-hmm. um, talking about um, how important it is to tell these kinds of stories and to make it. And so to know that um, at the age of 24, age of 24, John Singleton was able to tell the story of Boys in the Hood, and it's still something we reference. I saw someone separately, just on their own, referencing Boys in the Hood earlier this week with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's still very much a part of the popular uh, culture conversation. And I just think that is just really cool. Yeah, it's no, really cool. for me, listen, I grew you know this, I grew up in a mostly black neighborhood, and it was the time of VHS tapes, not to date myself. You could not stream <laughs> things. I did not get channels on the television. Like, you just found what was ever in the cardboard box, right. and you would put it on. In a lot of my friends' houses, that was Boys in the Hood. That was higher learning. And those, for me, those movies just existed, right? When you're young, you don't think really about how they get made, who's behind them, right. what they're fighting against yeah. to get it made, right? It's just a good movie that you like to put on and watch and take it in. And so for me to learn that he's 24, that was one of the biggest shocks to me because I was, I was like, oh, the people that made movies, those are adults. He was a young man when he made these films. Higher Learning speaks to so many problems. This is a film that came out in the early to mid 90s, speaks to so many problems that we still have today. A school shooting happens in Higher Learning. Right. Neo-Nazis on campuses happens in higher learning. Higher learning tackles like black academics bumping up against those glass ceilings working within white institutions. It's absolutely incredible. And that was like, I I can't remember if it's his second or third film, after Boys in the Hood, which tackled all these issues of coming out of Compton. It was just, he spoke for so many different, like you're saying, so many different stories, so many different lives. And I mean, and then it goes up to, I mean, contemporary films, uh, Hustle and Flow, which I mean, again, is, you know, I was born in the city of Memphis and when I was watching Hustle and Flow, I was like, damn, (laughs) he got got the Memphis accent. It's contemporary, too fast, too furious, big, big scale movies. Movies as well. So you might not, even if you don't know John Singleton, you know his work. He has mm-hmm. impacted you in ways you might not expect. And so we remember and him today. Absolutely. One last thing. 51, like we said, too young. Also talking about healthcare in America. Yeah. Talking about 
African-Americans seeking health care within this yeah, system. I feel like lately in the last couple of years, we've had to say to, goodbye to a lot of Hollywood um, icons who were black and in their early 50s, and that feels of note as well. Well, here's a tweet uh, from National Book Award-winning author Jackie Woodson. Um, as the ancestors welcome you home, John Singleton, I remain here on Earth knowing that my stories exist in the world because yours did. And it's great, mm. of course, to hear a lauded mm. uh, novelist kind of mm. speaking to the impact his films did. So it's not just you know, Hollywood, it impacts mm. culture in, in all kinds of wonderful ways. Art affects art. But listen, Twitter, let's take it to the timeline. What was your favorite John Singleton movie? Or how did he, as a filmmaker and storyteller, inspire you? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm Well, here's a tweet from the New York Times. More than 500 of the 704 measles cases, that's right, 704 Mm. measles cases in 2019, uh, recorded as of last Friday in the United States, were in people who had not been vaccinated. That's according to the CDC. BuzzFeed News Science reporter Dan Vergano joins us now. Dan, are you sick of talking about the measles as I am? I'm pretty surprised we're talking about it. Uh, I'm always delighted to speak to you guys, of course. That is a very judicious answer. I appreciate it. But let let me put it differently. Are you surprised to see how this outbreak has escalated since the last time we spoke to you about the measles, that it's still on the rise? No. Uh, This is how outbreaks go. And at the time uh, we spoke two weeks ago, uh, the vector was going upwards. These, These epidemics go up, 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 and then they break suddenly. And we're still on the up, up, up part of the whole thing. Um, we have to get in front of, you know, uh, the outbreak. We have to get in front of this, the transmission of it. That's why these steps are being taken in places like quarantines and fines and so forth. Um, there have been uh, 13 outbreaks in total in the United States. We, of course, have spoken about the outbreaks in Rockland County, New York, and Brooklyn, New York. Uh, what are other significant hotspots? Uh, well, in Washington State and around Portland, there's uh, an outbreak that's significant um, around an expatriate Russian community. Um, I brought in the country, I, I believe, from, from international travel, of course, from international travel from that, uh, that place. Uh, and the big one, of course, is uh, people worried about L.A. Uh, there's been two travelers through LAX, and that's been linked to uh, cases at two universities there. Um, there's also cases in Texas and Michigan that are worth noting. Okay, well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Two universities in Los Angeles are quarantining hundreds of students and faculty who cannot prove that they've been vaccinated against measles. Uh, This sounds like a new development. Uh, What do we know about the outbreak at those schools? So uh, at UCLA, uh, there was a student with measles who was in the library. And uh, so they have to lock up, uh, not lock up, they have to quarantine around 140 people, uh, faculty and students who don't have uh, vaccination records. Um, And at Cal State LA, uh, I believe it was a student attended classes in two buildings. And so they have to uh, quarantine, you know, around 200 people, faculty and students who uh, don't have vaccination records. So this is classic public health uh, uh, measures. There's an exposure, you quarantine everybody, you try and put these like levels of containment around them. Uh, by not letting people spread it. And uh, it seems kind of draconian, they're quarantined, but this is what you got to do to stop the spread of a disease. This is what you've got to do to stop the spread of the disease. You can also vaccinate your kids. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, (laughs) But let me ask about that, because yesterday on the timeline, especially as the story gathers steam yet again, I saw a lot of people talking about 
booster shots, or whether if you were of a certain age, if you had to get revaccinated. So let me ask you, Dan, is the focus still on vaccinating kids or should adults be worried? Should I was asked just earlier today, like, should I get vaccinated? Like, should I get revaccinated? Like, what? How, how do you how can you prevent this? So the focus is on kids, right? The median age of the kids in this outbreak, are the people affected by measles in this outbreak, is five. So what we need are those kids of you know preschool age, uh, especially the young ones, uh, to get their shots, um, to get their vaccinations. Uh, for adults, the focus is on people who are in vulnerable occupations. If you're in healthcare. If you work at a university, and especially if you're going on international travel, where this is all this stuff is happening overseas and bringing coming back into the country, and you haven't had uh, your shots, um, then you should get uh, a vaccination. Um, there's you know tricky things. If you were born between 1968 and 1962, uh, then you should go see your doctor. You might not have uh, immunity. Uh, if you never got a shot, definitely you know you might want to think about going to your doctor and uh, getting uh, your vaccinations up to date. If you're not sure, your doctor can check on you. It's uh, really for adults, it's people who are in those highly exposed places. If, if you're a university professor or a librarian at a university, then yeah, I would do it. All right. Well, we will have to leave it there for now. But of course, we will continue to follow it. Dan, thanks for joining us this morning. All right. We'll talk to you again. Right. <laughs> He's like, it's Good inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, we've got another great show for you today. June Diane Rayfield from Grace and Frankie is here. <laughs> I know we all want to say Frankie, Frankie and Grace. Grace, but it's actually Grace and Frankie. I've been struggling with it all morning myself, <laughs> and I love the show. Uh, but up next, it's Fire Tweets. <laughs> That's like a Bernstein Bears thing for me. It's not. Welcome back. We were just talking about kind of ways to stay ahead of the whole measles situation. And Kirsten Baptiste, you tweeted, whispers, I treat most kids like they're unvaccinated, like they could kill me if I get too close. And that's just, maybe that's just a great way to interact with kids. I... Just, I respect you. You're cute from a distance. Just spritz them with 409 every time they walk past you. Okay, let's spritz get in these Mary Jester, you tweeted, every slow Drake song is like, I haven't talked to you in five years. But please do not get married. <laughs> the accuracy. What's Drake up to? These days? Yeah, see, he's probably just like Facebook he's messaging. I feel like that's maybe the way he gets in touch. And he's just like, oh, I saw things. Oh, I couldn't help but notice you like just got engaged recently. How you been? How are things? I always say I feel like summer's coming up, and I feel like Drake is probably probably like the moment we end the show will be like, here's the new Drake song, like the summer bop. I, no, I feel like it's a little low key. I feel like more like wedding season's coming up, so he's messaging everybody oh, to let him. Kiki, are you married? <laughs> yeah. This next tweet comes from Tinderella. <laughs> good luck, girl. You tweeted, yeah, Avengers Endgame was good, but I found out my boyfriend is a movie clapper, so at what cost? <laughs> so my, real quick question here. Do you think she means like at the end of the film he claps? Like no. people who clap on the airplane land? I think it's clapping around like, the middle, like being like I, a character makes an entrance and it's... I went to see it at a theater where there was a lot of like hollering oh, and really? I really enjoyed I it. I saw it last night. It was not. There was, was no There club. was not a lot of... I, I said yes a couple times. But like you really then, enjoyed the movie. I did have a wonderful time. But I it did. was a muted audience. Yeah, you have to read the room. Like when I saw Black Panther uh-huh. in Harlem, honey, we were living. Yes. I thought, same when I saw Get Out. It was an interactive <laughs> experience. But you know, the Lower East Side doesn't play that. Everybody there is wearing all black and they're too cool to Everybody's like, button up. <laughs> but I was like... Yeah. <laughs> Friend of the show, Roy Wood Jr. tweeted, ever notice everyone you know who learned karate 
also won a tournament? If everybody won a tournament, then where were the people who lost? Shit don't add up. Somebody is lying. If you got your ass kicked in a karate tournament between 82 to 2004, please share your story. <laughs> and I like this tweet for multiple reasons. Why One, that's so just true. Funny. I just feel like everybody has medals. Two, have you seen the new Barry yet? This week's episode. Yeah, you, no, you haven't I'm seen not this. ready yet. All right, you should definitely Ooh, enjoy it. But let me tell you, love a little karate, a little uh, trophy action really does play oh, okay. in. okay. Yeah. If you haven't watched Barry on HBO, it is, I, I've caught up. Uh, it is really wonderful. Yeah. It's quite great. I'd argue it's one of my favorite shows out yeah, there right it's, now. It's surprisingly lovely given its subject matter. <laughs> anyway, here's a tweet from LB. You tweeted not to be cocky or nothing, but I used to be the line leader in elementary school. <laughs> that just means you were the teacher's pet. That's how I feel about that. That's how. I always got in trouble walking. Well, more of middle school. Were you a line leader? No. What were I you? I always got in trouble because I was reading while I was walking. <laughs> anything. And then that mean I was just like, I would literally, it was because I was trying to do anything to keep having an excuse to talk to people. So I would be just like walking and I would get in trouble for. I thought like we were going to make fun of line leaders. Line leaders made fun of you. They were like, you are making my life difficult. You it kept was, like bumping into people in front of you. It and was shit. literally like, if you don't put that copy of Bridge to Terabithia on. <laughs> You all crying again to the end. You just, oh, God. I was just anti-social. I was just like, I just. Uh, elementary, middle school, it was all trash. <laughs> all right, you ready for Tweet of the Day? Yeah, let's go. Tweet of the Day comes from Cajun. Y'all vaccinated? Gonna be the new who all over there. <laughs> I knew this was the tweet and I'm still devastated. It's by such a good that. tweet. Oh, I mean, truth be told, I'm not going to any of your kids anything. For a while. I, not that I ever would, but... Tr but truly... So-and-so has a birthday. Well, that's just lovely. It's a fucking hilarious tweet, but it is also just accurate. Like, if you are a parent right now, is that something like, oh, shit, little Susie's having a birthday party? Uh, not to be rude, but... Can, also, can I, to keep it 100, if this shit does continue to escalate with the measles... If you needed to bring in something to work tomorrow to demonstrate that you had been vaccinated, would you have those records? Because I don't... Oh, hell no. That's why I was thinking those the, at the university when they were like faculty and students who can't prove they've been vaccinated. I'm pretty sure I was, but... Now you got okay. me worried. I don't well, know if my I'm parents gonna... have my birth certificate. <laughs> shit. Good luck, y'all. Coming up, <laughs> I sit down with June Diane Rayfield from Grace and Frankie and the upcoming film Long Shot, but up next we are going live from the district. <laughs> you got me worried. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Emma Loop. Good morning, Emma. Good morning. We're just so excited to talk about D.C. politics. Um, here's a tweet from the New York Times, Emma. Uh, President Trump, his three eldest children, and his private company filed a lawsuit, uh, filed a federal lawsuit against Deutsche Bank and Capital One in a bid to prevent the banks from responding to congressional subpoenas. Uh, totally normal behavior from people who are in no way behaving in a suspicious manner. Uh, but serious question, Emma, uh, can Trump actually do this? Can he just sue to block congressional subpoenas? Well, he's certainly welcome to file a lawsuit. Whether it works is another question. But even if it doesn't hold up in court, it might have the effect of delaying the production of documents to these congressional committees 
uh, by kind of forcing these banks to wait for, you know, court decisions and court and, and respond to court orders as well. And so it could still have the effect of delaying this process a bit. The old time up in court scenario. All right. What are these documents that we're actually talking about? What is Deutsche Bank and Capital One? What are they supposed to be handing over? So we actually haven't seen the subpoenas that have been issued by the House Intelligence and Financial Services Committees. But according to this lawsuit, Deutsche Bank described to Trump's attorneys what the subpoenas asked for. And they're asking for a whole bunch of financial documents on Donald Trump, his children, and many of their associates and and relatives. And so they're asking for all sorts of financial documents on the Trump family and their businesses. Wow. Um, So what comes next in this case? I mean, they're they're obviously going to, they filed this lawsuit. Will we know about how this moves forward one way or another soon? I think so. I mean, it'll just make its way through the court uh, and we'll see what happens and and what kind of decisions are rendered in this case. Okay. There's a a chance that he's going to tie it up, right, in courts. There's a chance that we're going to see how this plays out how likely is it that he might actually succeed? Like, what would it mean if they're, if the banks are actually like, I, I mean, if the court finds it's like, actually the banks don't have to hand this over at all and Congress is in the wrong? Well, it does seem like there's some precedent against this type of lawsuit, but I mean, I certainly don't know how this will shake out. We'll have to see, you know, what the judge assigned to the case decides, uh, but it's, it's, it's a possibility. However, Democrats have said, you know, this, this lawsuit is, is basically just intended to, you know, kind of throw a wrench in our activities that it's not actually going to hold up in court. So we will see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, as always, Emma, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, up next, David Mack speaks with Dustin Lance Black about his new book. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Today I'm joined by Oscar winner Dustin Lance Black, the author of a new memoir titled Mama's Boy, A Story from Our Americas. Dustin, welcome to AM to DM. Thank you for having me. You're saying you're feeling a bit jet lagged, are you right? Still a little bit jet lagged. Okay, yes. uh, good. This is, uh, your book's released today. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, this memoir is about you being raised by your mom, right? And why did you decide to tell this part of your story now? That's a good question. I, because there were a few moments where I had book agents saying, hey, write a book, write a book. But mm. They were always after like the Supreme Court win or yeah. the Oscar, and it felt very like self-congratulatory, and there's no purpose to that. <laughs> yeah. There's none. But I felt like a few years ago, my mom and I started having conversations about how these divisions in our country, political divisions, were mm. starting to influence our own family. Because I'm from the South. I'm from uh, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and military family, Mormon family, mm-hmm. uh, rather conservative. Yeah. And then there's me and a couple others in our family who are coastal and studying the arts instead of going on missions. And, and my mom just found it really dangerous. And I found it pretty dangerous. And, um, and I, I, now it just felt like there was a purpose to examining why it is me and my mm. very conservative mom were able to find the bridges, mm. were able to find a higher plane than politics. And that conversation now feels necessary. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm, I'm just hopeful that our... Little American story uh, maybe could help other families who have those similar divides within their own families. And, yeah. if, and if that, if it can do that, then maybe communities, maybe a country. 
Well, let's talk about that because uh, that was going to be one of my questions. There's a lot of LGBT kids out there who might have had a similar experience as you, who grew up in a family that was very conservative and religious. Uh, I think your mom was in the military. Uh, So I'm wondering, what advice do you have for them who, if they're trying to sort of build bridges with their parents, maybe they can't get to this kind of sexuality debate yet, but how do you then kind of go around that? Well, I mean, I I think, first of all, uh, I... Avoiding the word debate mm. uh, and figuring out how to make it a conversation. So number one, when I have people around the world ask me about coming out because they're nervous about it, I say avoid major holidays because mm. that puts added stress, <laughs> even though that's when I did it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but, but second, figure out, no matter how tough it is, to leave those avenues of communication open because that is the only way. Mm. Uh, that is the only way to ever come to a place of understanding. And number two, no matter how much the facts and the science and the law, the Constitution are on your side, those sorts of debates are likely not going to change a heart. Right. And if you, if you can't change a heart, you're not going to change a mind. So I, I say do that extra step of work, and it is an extra step of work, to figure out the story, hopefully your own, that illuminates those facts and mm. that science and that law. And if you can tell that story from the heart, you have a shot. Yeah. You have a shot at opening up a parent's heart, a family member's heart, a neighbor's and changing a mind. We learned that in the fight for marriage equality. To stop arguing from here, it just makes the opposition dig deeper into their trench. And to try and argue from here, but it takes a little bit of extra work and thought. It takes a lot of work and going into the sort of, like the most intimate parts of people's hearts and mind there. Do you, I know you lost your mom a few years ago. Do you feel like you got to know her better writing this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to, I also got to know uh, a woman, a young woman who I never got to meet because my mom was a, a devout Mormon with a, address him to the ground by the time I came around. <laughs> yeah. But in but in my research, I discovered a young woman who was incredibly flirtatious, growing up in these uh, hospital wards in New Orleans and flirting with the priests, trying <laughs> to get them to leave the priesthood to like date her and marry her. Oh my and God. I was like, wow, that's not the mom Amazing. that I knew. Oh my God. Yeah, like mother, like son, after all. So we, um, uh, so there were all those sorts of things that I learned about her that humanized her, yeah. where I got to a, a fuller picture of her. Um, and, then, and then certainly the last third of the book, after I got through a good bit of it, I thought I need to put my feet where my opinions are. Mm. And so that became a journey back to the South, back to Texas, Texarkana, and to Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. to see if it was possible to have some of these conversations and to at least find the place where we might build a bridge in the future uh, to get those conversations started again. So that, in that way, I got to know my both my uh, actual biological family on my mm. mother's side again, but I also started to get to know my uh, members of my faith again. Wonderful. Yeah. You mentioned your work uh, on milk and uh, in the marriage equality movement and people coming to you all the time for advice. I wonder, you've been thinking, you know, for, uh, since milk, obviously, and working on that, you were thinking about the LGBT rights movement and the history there. Looking today, where we are today, what do you see the big kind of unresolved battles for the LGBT movement? Oh, I mean, it's it's huge. It's, it's almost like we won out of order. Mm. I mean, I, I love that we have marriage equality now. I stepped out of Hollywood for half a decade to work on that fight. Mm -hmm. Very meaningful to me. But the fact that you can get married on Sunday and still in most states in the United States of America get fired for being married on Monday is a huge problem. The fact that you can drive from California to Washington, D.C., and your rights are going to change dozens of times, that's a problem. So why is it that our destinies as LGBTQ people, our opportunities, 
are different depending on where we live. Why can't we call the South our home mm-hmm. and, still, and, and still prosper there? Well, we know the Supreme Court's obviously taking out some of that stuff uh, in some of the cases they're hearing. They are. I would urge people to pay attention to the Equality Act yeah. and to make sure that we're pressuring particularly these new candidates to speak about it mm-hmm. and to push for it and then to not only work hard uh, to elect the president who will sign it, uh, but also a Senate that will pass it. Let's talk about some of these new candidates. I know that you uh, have tweeted about uh, Mayor Pete and sure. supporting him. I'm wondering, uh, given your expertise on Harvey and Harvey Milk, do you see any of Harvey in him? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, certainly in the, in the theme of you got to give them hope, meaning you have to elect gay people. That was Harvey Milk's speech mm-hmm. because that sends a message of hope. Um, but I think there are other candidates, too, who are sending messages of hope. Uh, other people of diversity, other people who have been um, underrepresented and underprotected by the law in our mm. society who are running, who are sending messages of hope as well. I have to say, I love Mayor Pete. I'm not making a decision yet, <laughs> right? Okay. If, if, unless I'm wrong, it's April of 2019. We have a while to go. That's I am true. listening. Yeah, I, I think this is the time for us to listen, to pay attention, uh, to, to assess who we feel really means it mm. when they're talking about equality. And, uh, and, and I think... You know, Mayor Pete's right up there for me. I, I adore him, but I, I, I do think it's the time for us all to really listen carefully. There was criticism of him from some in the gay community that he was kind of presenting a kind of very traditional Midwestern version of what a gay lifestyle is. And it got me thinking about the way that um, uh, in uh, Milk that Harvey has to, when he does his first campaign and then he has to do his second campaign and he kind of wears a suit and he yeah, turns he it down. A suit I'm wondering, like, is that, are those criticisms ridiculous or do you feel well, like there's, um, I don't know, what do you make of those? I think, I mean, I think that is, I actually don't uh, doubt that that's who Mayor Pete really is. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like an act to me. I'll leave it to other people to see if that's an act. And that's certainly a way some folks in the LGBT community are. Yeah. You know, some people, I'm in, probably included in many ways in that more traditional looking uh, life yeah. as a, you know, I'm, I'm married, I have a husband, I have a kid. Um, but I also want to make it clear, and I hope Mayor Pete will make it clear, that not everyone needs to live a life that looks like his life. Yeah. That's not the point. This is a, I hope that he's uh, working and fighting uh, for all LGBT people to live as diverse a lives as we'd like to live. Mm-hmm. And uh, in no way should this be about having to appear heteronormative, as yeah. they say. Uh, but also, if you want to be hetero, heteronormative, if that's what's in your heart, if that's real for you, like for me, getting married was real for me. Having yeah. a kid was real for me. And I know that appears, appears heteronormative. Oh, well, so what? That's who I am. But in no way does that mean that I should insist other people live like that. Speaking of your husband, Tom, uh, you guys are pretty open with your relationship on Twitter and social media and stuff. And I know that you get a lot of sort of catty comments as well. And I'm wondering, first of all... Let's read some. Well, well, uh, (laughs) I know, but I wonder, like, is it because, as you said, that, like, you were hinting, is it that you think there's, like, a dearth of, like, prominent gay couples out there that the ones that are so prominent come under extra scrutiny? Uh, I mean, I probably. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't really read a whole lot of that. And when I do, I think it's kind of funny sometimes. I mean, uh, we live our life. Yeah. In no way have we ever said we're role models. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I pay more attention to the, the comments or the messages that I get from uh, young people, which happens very often, young people in Iran, uh, in Russia, uh, throughout uh, Africa, who 
ask how they can be safe. And if I, and if Tom and I are, seem to be people who might actually respond to that, it mm-hmm. might have good answers for that, then I'm very thankful for Twitter and Instagram, and I could give a damn about the negative comments. What matters to me is that I can then help those young people in these dangerous con- countries find a little bit of support to get them to safety. Beautifully said. That's beautiful. And best of luck with the book. We need it now in this country, it seems like, more than ever in terms of bridging divides and things like that. Thank you, Dustin, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dustin's book, Mama's Boy, A Story from Our Americas, is available today. Up next, Saeed sits down with actor and comedian June Diane Rayfield. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. Hello, my queens. I am so excited to be joined by June Diane Rayfield. You know her, of course, from Grace and Frankie. And now she's in the upcoming film Long Shot, which is the only political movie I'm looking forward to. <laughs> to be it's the honest. only way to like consume a political movie. Right. If it movie doesn't have right Charlize now. Theron as I don't want to see it. I'm not in it. I I'm say no. <laughs> so in the movie, uh, Charlize Theron is running for office. Yes. Uh, you play her political advisor. Was it a. Uh... Was it fun getting to like pretend to be a part of the world of politics with everything else going on? It actually was because for me, it was so cathartic and therapeutic to actually play the role and embody Mm -hmm. the role of someone who who is supporting this woman candidate, but then actually got to see the real thing happen. Okay. Um, Spoiler alert. So, (laughs) yeah, it was Mm. totally strange to kind of go through that process. But yes, I want to see, I want to live to see a woman president. So there was something about it that um, healed a lot of deep wounds okay. from the 2016 and election. Listen, so. Lord knows we all have them. Please, so, yeah. You know, I'm glad you're getting I'm some a of that, walking scar. Some of that their mood, yeah. a walking scar. I am. Oh my gosh. His body is a scar. Well, <laughs> to that point, I'm a poet. Don't get me going, girl. <laughs> to that point, though, like, uh, what was it like? You know, you, you do your work, you're on set all day, and then you come home, and of course, news and everything is you know coming around. Yeah. You. Did it inform how you were looking at what's going on? Gosh, I mean, I, I'm i pretty good about when I'm working, mm-hmm. turning the news off okay. and, like, turning those alerts off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and j- trying to just be present in the world of the movies. Something on, you know, the new iPhones where the alerts just come up constantly. Yes, like I've, tr- that, I've tried to turn it's that off, too. Real, is it still coming up? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> so that I find really jarring. Right. And, of course, I want to be aware of what's going on around me, but it's so... It can be so horrible and really throw your mood. So I've had to get really rigorous about setting those boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think as an actor, what we love to do is to act. And you actually only spend so much time doing that. Mm. So much of our jobs is doing the other things to get to the job. Oh, I see. So I really, once I'm in the actual job, Mm -hmm. I try to stay as present as possible. I I mean, obviously I ask all of the crew to not make eye contact with me. And Which? Yeah, I'm looking around. Cute. Several people will be fired <laughs> today from BuzzFeed. See, that was the sound of but, someone being like, <laughs> It's like when an angel gets its wings, it's the opposite. Um, so, yeah, but I try, I try to really yeah. kind of create that space that. for myself. A, yeah, because you're like, you're trying to do something, you're yeah. about to go on set, and then push And then, oh my God, yes. Oh my goodness. Um, well, let's talk about the cast, because of course it's Charlize Theron, it's you, Seth Rogen. Yeah, a lot of up-and-comers. Up-and-comers, you know, you might, Just you know, keep, a look, keep an eye out for them on YouTube. You never know what they might do. <laughs> and also your husband, Paul Shear. Yes. Um, so let's make it messy. Uh, if they, <laughs> one of them was running for office... Uh, who would you Charlize. vote for? Okay, good. Duh. I mean, it's the simplest Duh. question in the world. Yeah. I would have been, frankly, very concerned. Yeah, otherwise. absolutely, <laughs> if I chose anyone else from that threesome. Is she 
I, when I think of Charlize, I think about, you know, the queen. I think of, um, I think of fury and like everything, that toughness. Is she like that, in, that intensity in person? I or? mean, she's such an unbelievably powerful woman. Mm-hmm. And I think that that comes through and she's so intelligent. She was a producer on this movie too. Oh, so great. she had so many, she was wearing so many hats and uh-huh. is so responsible for how great the movie is mm-hmm. beyond uh, how incredible her performance mm-hmm. is. But what I think people are going to really love about this performance is she's so funny. Mm. So it's kind of annoying. Like she can do, <laughs> I guess, everything. Yeah, she can do the action. Yeah, the it's really not cool. Not cool. So how dare she? <laughs> <laughs> she is all those other things mm-hmm. and has that in mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. but she's also got the ability to be really goofy and silly and warm and um I love her so much. Oh my gosh. I just love her so much. I both much. love her more and now I'm like scared of her. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to talk about Paul Shear. He was on the show uh, a couple of months ago and was so delightful. I laughed so much in the control room I might have gotten in trouble. Um, <laughs> and I saw that recently he was on Watch What Happens Live. That's correct. With our queen, Erica Jane, who's also yes. been here. And they had a moment. So, yeah, rest assured <laughs> we've discussed it. Okay, it has not gone. You were like, listen. Un- well, there was... The amount of hand-holding that happened in that interview was unsettling. I was looking at pictures this morning. I was like, that's another. And there's another, another, and there's Uh another, and there's another. And so afterward, he he doesn't really know the franchise that well. And he was like, no, she's just so warm, and she's just so sweet and warm and so warm. I'm like, actually, she's not. That's the whole thing. Her whole thing is that she's not. Because I haven't watched the show either, but I, I love her. She was on the, I fell now, in listen, love with her. listen, I love her. Uh-huh. And if she chooses my husband, I would be honored. <laughs> I would absolutely give him full permission and say, I am also having an affair with Erica Jane via you. So yeah. I, it is not it's as It's the Rihanna though, rule. It's absolutely. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, I, it is an honor for mm-hmm. me <laughs> to have her violate my marriage. And the sanctity of our vows. Incredible. I take it as a I would take it as a real honor. But yeah, Paul and I had a discussion, a firmly worded discussion. I love this <laughs> so much. I love this so much. Um, I also love your character on Grace and Frankie. Uh, you, you might know. notice I feel like a little kinship. Uh, I, she's the best. <laughs> How fun is it getting to play her? And she's uh, growing. She's you know she's yeah. I up. mean, it's so funny because I I think when people. When people tell me about why they like her, they're like, she's such a bitch. She's such, you know, she's... And I'm like, oh, I've never seen her that way. Mm -hmm. I just totally see her as... um, I see her heartbeat so clearly. And I think a lot of people who are true fans do too. Mm -hmm. But I... It's the most fun I've ever had. It's stupid fun. I love her so much. And... It's so fun to embody someone with that amount of confidence yeah. and... It always seems to me that she, on the show, I feel like there are a lot of people who are either just very distracted, you know, and just a lot yeah. going on, or really consistently struggle to say what they really mean. Mm. And and your character is the one who's like, the lo- just it's, like, are we just yeah. not going to say this? Right. <laughs> right. Which I, I could it. use a little more of in my life. We all Like, can. it's it's actually quite freeing to play someone who's so comfortable speaking the mm-hmm. truth. I love it. Yeah. And then I also want to ask you, in real life, do you think of yourself as more of a Grace or a Frankie? Oh, gosh. You have to choose. I mean, I'm definitely more, I have to say I'm more of a Grace. Okay. I get it. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was like, I'm no, okay with fine. that. It's fine. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, like, if I'm in my 70s, like, popping my collars, like, I'll be, vi- and looking like Jane Fonda, like, like I'll be, uh, what, what's wrong with Live. that? Live. 
Thank you. Like, actually goals, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Absolutely. So I just think Grace is awesome. I love her. I love it so much. Well, uh, thanks for coming to hang Thank out with us. Thank you for having this, this me. This so I never want to leave this couch. You are welcome to stay. In fact, it goes off in segments, so we could like, give okay, you a Okay, perfect. I'll just, just be here. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, you can watch Grace and Frankie on Netflix now, and Longshot comes out this Friday. I'm so, so excited. Uh, up next, you get to see my conversation with the cast of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And I'm going to be very frank with you. The actor who plays Harry Potter is very handsome. So, <laughs> just going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. This is a new series we're calling Drama Queens, because I'm a queen and I like drama, uh, where we celebrate the best of theater and Broadway's biggest night, the Tonys. Joining me now are the stars of the hit Broadway show, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Ginny Jules, who plays Hermione Granger, James Snyder, who plays Harry Potter, and Matt Mueller, who you might guess plays Ron Weasley. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> this is a delight. All of my friends in my group text are very angry at me right now. Uh-oh. So I'm hang out with you guys. Okay. <laughs> Get them out. There's room on the couch. I was going to say, we got <laughs> I like rubbing it in their faces. That's no, good. That's not also here. good. Fair choice. <laughs> well, um, The Girl's Child took place, took uh, six Tonys home, and, uh, including Best New Play, mm-hmm. um, its first run. Uh, the 2019 Tony nominations came out this morning. We were talking about shows. Do you have favorite shows that are out right now? The Ferryman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. Yes, great. I think it's yeah. brilliant. And also, mm, plug, my husband's in it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, you're low. He plays Muldoon. <laughs> He's playing the, <laughs> the scary guy. Okay. Crazy. Does he scare you? Uh, no. Like He's on a Hufflepuff. Stage in real life. Oh, right. oh, no one's scared of Hufflepuff. Ralph, exactly. Ralph, well, Ralph, everyone Ralph, is scared Ralph, of him Ralph, in the Ralph. theater, but he's actually secret. Yeah, he's not secretly a Hufflepuff. He just, yeah, he's all heart, really. Um, what struck me when I saw it, I decided to see The Cursed Child all in one day. Um, so it was it was a whole experience, mm-hmm. uh, five yeah. hours. Um, and as an audience member, it, it of course, it's thrilling. You're enthralled. It goes by way faster than I could have expected. Mm. But I wanted to ask all of you as performers, so certainly you, Performing for five hours, what are the challenges of that kind of scale? Well, I'll say when we stepped into the rehearsal process, just memorizing two plays. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and it's, it is a really physical show uh, between, between yeah, running and between the, the magic that happens, mm-hmm. the illusions that happen. Mm-hmm. You kind of strap on for the ride, mm-hmm. and it's the same for us, and then it's just go. The mm-hmm. action doesn't stop. The first 15 minutes is. Just yeah. catching everyone up on yeah. everything that's happened over the last 22 years. Because mm-hmm. um, the, sh- the show starts uh, where the books leave off mm-hmm. on platform nine and three quarters. And then the Hogwarts Express takes off for, right. for another year where our, where yeah. our kids yeah. Are, yeah. are going to, to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it is just... I'm telling you, the, the two and a half hours of the part one goes by. I'm like, oh, we're done. Oh, great. Oh, I guess I'll go eat now. And then, and then we come back, and it's like, oh, great. Now it's 11 o'clock at, or 10 o'clock at night. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. And I then still I love it, shouting in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What so, do you do during that break? Between the two? Eat uh, and eaten, lay down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we eat and we try and kind yeah. of rest. That's yeah. fair. Or, or like I have a lot of family that have been seeing the show, so okay. I go and I take them to a fun spot in, in Midtown. He basically just... That's sleep. really he nice. Doesn't I don't. That's incredible. I don't. I'm, I'm blessed like, y'all with a, go on. a lot of, <laughs> yeah. with yeah. a lot of energy. Oh, and, um, you know, I, for me, it's a recharge to, to, to get to be around family okay. or friends. And uh, You were such a nice person. That's it. That's it. I'm giving. I'm a giver. Yeah, that's what I do. True. It's true. Uh... Well, obviously we can't. Uh, we don't can't give any magic away. Um, but I was 
of course I expect it to be wowed. You know, one, because it's Broadway. Obviously, Harry Potter. I'm like, okay, y'all don't fucking play. I get it. Um, but I was <laughs> truly stunned so many times. Uh, there was a moment with Hermione. I, my jaw dropped with time travel. I could not believe. Um, did you guys do special training for the special effects? Yeah. Uh, we did. Yeah. I mean, that was actually one of the cool things, like the very first day of rehearsal, mm -hmm. our illusion master. Uh, you have an illusion we master. We do. <laughs> and I don't oh know God. if that's the technical title, but I, I like illusion master. Now that's I what I said it. That's it. it. You know, Game of Thrones has a horse master. Of yeah. course. We did. had one of those yeah. too, but yeah. there's so few horses in it. I don't even know. <laughs> but, um, no, Skylar, um, we, it was the very Skylar first Fox, day. Yeah. He was one of the first people who kind of gathered us all together in a circle yeah. and um, we had it was actually on the call she'd said right. introduction to magic, magic told yeah. us we were wizards yeah. and and then we were kind of off from there and so yeah. there were um maybe between the illusions and the movement and the scene work there yeah. were all these different sort of not stations but we would hit yeah. different things mm -hmm. in earnest uh, on different days it's like um, lessons right we were at yeah. school we were wow. yeah. we were at hogwarts but yeah. yeah because we any any downtime that that we had where we weren't working on the scripts or blocking it was diving into the magic right. yeah. um, or or working on our what we've been up to for the last 18 years. The, the place, of course, spans years. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you, Hermione Granger, of course, is a beloved character. They're all beloved, but I feel like in particular, as a smart young woman, resonated with readers and, and viewers. Um, she is a brilliant, complicated woman, as we see her in The Cursed Child. What was it like playing her? It's a gift. Mm. It's an honor. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a responsibility mm. because she's so loved. Yeah. And people imagine that they know what she looks like and how she is and who she is. And I think that the creators of, of this, of The Cursed Child, have been really clever mm -hmm. in what they've done and how they've cast her and how they've allowed her to grow up mm -hmm. and you know, to kind of offer the adult Hermione mm -hmm. to, to the world, uh, to the Wizarding World. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I love playing her. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of work to do. <laughs> but you know what? It's I wouldn't have it any other way, mm -hmm. really. You yeah. know, she's everything she is in the books and mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's really beautiful to yeah. see characters we grew up loving, like yeah. to see them, you know, yeah. brought to life. And there are a, a lot of familiar faces Absolutely. in this oh in this show. And yes. and I think it's just so satisfying just just yeah. to get to visit the it ones is. that we love and the ones that we hate right. even. Yeah. And, yes. <laughs> and the ones we thought we knew. And yeah. and uh and to hear the audience's response, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. the most rewarding yeah. part. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I dropped my popcorn at one point. I was so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um have you guys got to meet JK Rowling? No, not, not yet. I would yes. love if like one of you were like what, and you were like, oh, what? I wish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> she was very involved with the the creation of, of yeah. everything, yes. and and such a her her hand is so clearly you know a, a part of yeah. our play, a being being part of her world. I just. Uh, I look, I look forward to it. Yeah. I would say that much. Yeah, I, I hope we get the chance. Well, um, of course, we're a Twitter show, um, and we love a good game. Hey. Um, and so a game we often play with people is like, did you tweet that? Mm -hmm. um, where we try to get them to see if they can remember their own tweets. Oh, no. Rowling, of course, she has tweeted over 12,000 times. Oh, okay. <laughs> she does tweet a lot. So we decided we want to play um, Did J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. Um, you, you might have heard that she, she likes to, you know, pontificate on the timeline. Yes. So um, I'm going to read some tweets, um, and then you have a yes or no paddle, um, and you're going to have to decide, did J.K. Rowling or someone else tweet that? Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize about Harry Potter is that, yes, he's a wizard, but what's more, he's a friend. Did J.K. Rowling tweet that? 
I want to say yes. So do I. I do. Okay, she did not. No, okay. She, she, did. she didn't. No. We're all too good That was his holiness. The <laughs> Dalai Lama. Good. We have, there's a buzzer. Okay. Okay. Dalai yeah. Lama yeah. did that yeah. one. Yeah, we, we really go. appreciate that. That was, yeah. that was from Bridget Weingar. You can. You're allowed to sip water. Is your right? Is your right? Okay, this next one. I'm sorry I missed Hufflepuff Pride, but I love Hufflepuff. My husband, my family comprises two Hufflepuffs, two Gryffindors, and one Slytherin. To J.K. Rowling tweet that. I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm going to just follow him. Yeah. Just we're just because <laughs> oh, this so is cute. They call it yes, the Golden Trio. That's that's that yeah. sounds like Wait, her. Yeah. I, I see all those family conversations paying off here. She yes. Did. She did. <laughs> Matt Mueller. Was right. <laughs> um, here's another one. Brown eyes, frizzy hair, and clever white skin was never specified. Rowling loves black Hermione. Did she tweet that? I'm, I'm gonna go with no. I just because because she says because it says Rowling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That doesn't the way, tweet that though. She did tweet it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, 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 sorry. You're in the middle. Oh. You're in the middle of a correct sandwich. Oh yay. That's great. <laughs> oh my oh, god. Welcome to all of rehearsal. No, it's fine. It's fine. Andrew Weasley. <laughs> no, it's great. It must You're be good. Great. <laughs> I'll be nice. A few more. Um, <laughs> Before, before I do anything important, I always ask myself, would this gain points for Gryffindor or lose house points for Gryffindor? Did she tweet that? No. Um, I'm going to say no. I don't even, I didn't even hear what he said. Are you a Hufflepuff? He's, 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 he's not, he's Gryffindor. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, she did not tweet that. Yeah. Good job. Amy Amy Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Way to go. Um, okay, one more. Uh, there's no tuition fee. The Ministry of Magic covers all the cost of magical education, which is very great. Did she tweet that? I want her to have tweeted I, that. I know. I she like did that on purpose. Yes. She really did. She really did. I'm going to say yes. That says yes. You, say, you guys saying yes? I, wait. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I, I feel like not, though. Yeah, but I'm going to say no. Yeah. Okay. I think she's probably right. She tweeted it. She tweeted it. Look at that. <laughs> See, I hedged my bet there. Do you like that how I was like... Won. Yeah. I won. Of course he did. Right. I deserve double points because you were just following. That's it. That's it. Remind me over here is the free mind. Janine. Too early. Thank you. Too early. Well, he happened to be a little faster on the draw. Oh, wow. Say, Always listen know. to Ron. Obviously, I love the show, and it's so great to have gotten to spend time with you and see another yes. side, more chill side of the three because you're busy doing that show. Guys, you can check out Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway now at the Lyric Theater. It is an experience. I suggest going to see it all in one day. You know, go to have dinner and everything. And mm. It'll be great. Uh, we will have more drama queens next week as we get closer to the Tony Awards. Stick around. There's more AM to DM up next. <laughs> do you think I would be? I could see Gryffindor. I could see a case for all of them, except yeah. for Hufflepuff. I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. There it is. I would say probably Slytherin, but yeah. I, well, Gryffindor. You could see a little Ravenclaw in there. Young Saeed, in, in what, you're, the, the line leader. But you're remember, in I was just reading the books because I didn't want to talk to people. Yeah. Because I, I think that's a little Ravenclaw. I see that a little bit. Well, uh, of course, we were talking about John Singleton earlier this morning. Uh, here's a tweet from you, Lily, with your favorite uh, movies about him, uh, from him. Uh, the 2000 remake of Shaft uh, was the first John Singleton movie I came across. I only ever caught Boys in the Hood when it was ending. Mm. You know, that happened to me quite a bit a few times when I finally had to, like, make an effort to watch the whole movie because I was usually always just like, oh, the last five minutes, what's... Like it would be on, on the television. Yeah, yeah. Which is 
a hell of a fight. Yeah, I was, it's very it's a lot of fight. Yeah, it's going down. I want to know how we got to this <laughs> exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Kirsten Baptiste tweeted this after our tweet of the day. I do carry mini Lysol sprays with me in case someone touches me. I believe that was because you were talking about spraying children. Gross. If I remember correctly, with 409. Not even a water. Legs, not at the face. (laughs) Down, not up. Kids are just nasty. I mean, and that's their right. It's their, that's where they are in their lives. That's, they're just figuring. Not my problem. They're figuring things out. Not my problem. It's not their fault that you don't trust their parents. And there it is. Well, Princess Leia said this, uh, Said, I relate to walking with books to avoid talking to people. Mood. And that's why I kept getting in trouble because I think my teacher was very aware of that's what I was doing. That it was antisocial behavior? Mm-hmm. I'm just giving you a ton of shit. I, I was reading a book walking home from the Q stop yesterday. I love reading and walking. I just, I just thought it was Reading fun. books? Oh, all the time. I read on my phone while walking, which I know I should not do. I, absolutely. I've gotten pretty good at it, though. I think living in New York especially, I'm very good at either on my phone or a book and just like... navigate you kind of have that i did it's a whole thing i have but i've been thinking a lot about how we do all of these weird things in new york to mitigate actually dealing with the city (laughs) right like i've got to be listening to music do you have a phone do you have a book for the subway just because we live in hell saeed is falling out of love with new york but thank you to our guests dan vergano emma loop david mack dustin lance black June Diane Rayfield, that was delightful. She was amazing. Oh, I love her. Jenny Jules, James Snyder, and Matt Mueller. The cast of Harry Potter, Cursed Child. They were so fun. Did, did you notice they had a whole backstory about their families going on a trip to yeah, Egypt together? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not in the play at all. They just, yeah. they, they have They this just, like, made it. Adorable. He was hedging his bets, though, with yeah, that well, game. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I should have been a stricter coach. Anyway, we'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. I hear the Sonic Hedgehog movie looks terrible. Yeah, people are not Stop. excited about that trailer. Uh, who could have foreseen this? Yes, yeah, det- <laughs> Detective Pikachu looks, looks good. What a world.